my career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. I'm not addicted. I just like a drink or two. Okay, but I've done drugs a few times, but it's nothing to be worried about. Okay, so yeah, I go to the bathhouse all the time, but it's not like all the time, just every day. Sound familiar? Maybe not quite so familiar, but have you ever had that thought in your head that I'm not really an addict? But yeah, for so many gay men, we find ourselves in these spaces because we don't believe in ourselves or we've been told we're not good enough. And suddenly the only way we can numb the pain is sex, drugs, alcohol, even food, even addictions to gambling, whatever it is. And it's not a fun subject to talk about, but it's a necessary subject. And that's what we're talking about today on 40 Plus Gay Men Gay Talk. And I've found somebody that I feel like is going to just be able to shine a beautiful light on this. His name is Gregory Silva. He's the director of operations for three different drug and alcohol treatment centers in Southern California. And we're going to get into those treatment centers and why you should do it and what you should do and how not to let this be something scary, guys. It's about taking care of you and doing what's really, really going to help you thrive as a gay man. So let's go ahead and just dive in here. So happy to have you here, Gregory, and so glad to be talking about something that as gay men, it's kind of a stigma, isn't it? Well, first of all, Rick, thank you so much for having me on. This is a really important topic, and sometimes people shy away from it, and I really appreciate the fact that you're willing to go there with me. Well, there's a, there's just been so many guys in my life that I've you know been friends with, and I've seen this happen. There's been a few times in my life, like, I think I'm getting pretty close to this. My dad was probably as close to an alcoholic as could be and never got treatment, but he, he finally like pulled back. And mm-hmm. I saw myself before I came out of the closet. And actually right after I did come out of the closet, like alcohol was my friend. And there was a few times I'm like, Ooh, somebody upstairs was definitely watching out for me. And then I got my head screwed back on straight and like, okay, I, this isn't my path, but um, it ah. is a, huge, huge subject to kind of deal with. And it always seems to come from a space when I have these conversations where it's a lack of confidence. It's a lack of self-love. It's a lack of feeling enough. So in your world, I'm sure you encounter all of that, right? Yeah. I I think that um, as we address the over 40 crowd, and I'm so happy that uh, that's what this is about. I mean, we've lived through some stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, we get a lot of kids in that are LGBTQ plus and, uh, you know, they're 18 to 25, 26, and they're so um, open about their sexuality. And, <clears throat> you know, I talk about being bisexuals, you know, these guys that were in the closet when we, we were that age that would have never come out or they were in mm-hmm. back alleys. They're kind of open about it now, but 
we lived through some stuff. I mean, we saw what HIV did to our community and uh, we lived in an era or maybe areas where um, it wasn't so cool to be gay and we got picked right. on and we got, you know, our parents threw us away, some of us and things like that. So there's a lot of trauma and uh, there is really no such thing as addiction without some kind of trauma in the background, whether you know mm -hmm. it or not, there's something that kind of pushes our brain to want yeah. to numb ourselves. And uh, anyway, unfortunately, um, our family, our LGBTQ family is nine to 10 times more um, apt to be addicted. And most of that really truly comes from the stories that we've been told and the stories that we end up buying into about our worth and who we are and whether we should even be walking the planet. And then it just kind of rolls forward into our relationships and how we do everything, even to our work life and everything. I mean, sure. I know there's plenty of guys in their forties that uh, this is probably going to shock somebody when I say this, but your addiction, it's actually your work because you're so addicted to your work that nothing else matters. And then you go yeah. home and the other addiction starts like, I don't have a guy, I don't have this. And so, well, uh -huh. how do you numb yeah. all this quote success that you have, even though most people would look at you and go, really? <laughs> I, re I really miss the world before social media and the internet. I mean, I think that I remember having really good groups of friends and like-minded people that we hung out with and we could talk about our thing, you know, our issues and, and stuff. And people seem to isolate a lot and they try to make themselves into things or people that they're really not. I mean, we're just right. shells. And isn't that kind of what we were taught when we were, you know, in the closet just to be a shell yep. and uh, show a certain thing, but in the inside, um, be something completely different and that takes a freaking toll i mean i'm not going to say my age but um it's taken me a long time to figure it out and i sometimes still uh wonder you know if i'm on the right track or if i know what i'm doing but but um, it also comes from that space of that qu constant questioning is something that yes i know all of us as humans we question a lot of stuff we we live in a comparison society and it, it's just exacerbated now with social media. I mean, it's just like, Oh, look what they're doing. Oh, they look so happy. Oh, da, 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 da. you know, and, and I, I'm going to confess, I was like doing some work right before we started recording this. And I was like checking out a couple other gay men's groups online, like just trying to like, okay, well, what, what could I do subject matter wise? And I started feeling myself kind of the little jealousy thing started showing up a little bit. And I'm like, I don't, you know, bitch, I don't give a shit. I'm 58 <laughs> years old. I, I'm good. I, yes. I'm always trying to do more yeah. stuff, but um, I'm like, Rick, why the hell are you doing this? You know? And it's like, don't let that drive you to these other things. So as far as the addiction goes though, I know for you, there's a couple of personal things that really drove you into this work. One of them involves, your own personal life, but really it was seeing somebody you really cared for yeah. that kind of like opened the door for you. So why don't you take us into that story? I had a pretty charmed life. I had a great job. I worked in international um, marketing. I lived in France part-time and uh, I was living the life of Riley and I had a really good friend who would have sit for me and watch my dogs when I was gone. 
And uh, I knew he was having some depression. I knew that he was somehow getting his hands on Xanax. I tried to help him. I tried to, you know, figure out like how I could get him to stop. And he wasn't himself, but I was busy. I, you know, I hadn't been around a lot of addiction before. And one day he was really having a bad day and he had the keys to my house. He went to my house and he took a handful of Xanax, started his car in my garage. And when I got home, he had asphyxiated himself and he was dead. Mm. And it threw me for a loop. I mean, literally, I, I felt so much guilt. How did I not know? Why didn't I go further in trying to find him help? His family, he didn't really have fa close family. And his family that he had told me about was the family that threw him away when he was 15. You know, and he he's would, had been on his own ever since. And that trauma is what led him to take his own life. And it took me a couple of years. I finally backed out of my job. I just couldn't do it anymore. I just didn't see the point. And I fell into a job doing some marketing for a treatment center. And I realized that this was my calling and my passion. And uh, anyway, his name was Blake. It's been quite a few years now, but every time I save or help to save, it's a team that does this uh, young, person, especially a young LGBTQ person, I kind of look up at the sky and I'm like, okay, Blake, this one's for you. Right. And it kind of helps me a little bit, but um, I still feel guilt. I still feel pain and I wished I had known what to do. And mm -hmm. that's why I'm here. That's why I'm on this podcast with you. And that's why I'm hoping that um, your audience will understand that there is help out there and hopefully I can maybe go through some steps to, to talk about uh, what you do if you think one of your loved ones or a family member or even yourself needs some help. Yeah. Well, I think the starting place at least, and I've been through this with two family members of my own is realizing there's this interesting sense of shame when you are an addict and there's a sense of shame when you, quote, get on the other side, because, you know, we all have heard the terminology or a lot of people heard the comedy, <clears throat> the terminology, I'm an addict. Well, there's the addict that was the active addict and the addict that's the post addict. And either way, society loves to throw shade on that. I mean, there's a lot of compassion, too. Mm -hmm. But I've watched through both of my family members who have, you know, battled through their own addictions yeah. that the shame is kind of similar to the shame and the shade we get thrown as gay people. It just, it's with you no matter what, I, you unless know, I, I, I get this every day and I yeah. tell people, look, if you had cancer right, and the doctor told you that you needed 30 days or 45 days or 120 days of chemotherapy to save your life, would you do it? Would you be mm. embarrassed about it? Right. And why would you be? This is a disease. This is something that uh, happens, you know, just like cancer. And, uh, you know, we just have to get past that stigma. And there is help out there. There's good help for you. And, and you can have a life, you know, people can't even imagine what a life sober looks like. And it's out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, good things happen. I see it happen late in life. I see it happen early in life, but if you want it, 
it's there and you, and you can have it. But you just said something that always I've been in some groups where this really sparked like, Oh, okay, here we go. You know, this whole piece of there is a life of being, you know, a beautiful life of being sober. Yeah. And I've been in a couple of groups where I know, I hate to say, I know they just were quote unquote joking and it pissed me off, (laughs) but it's like, well, that sounds pretty boring. I'm like, okay, time out. Yeah. You know, time out. That's a pretty shitty of you to say, number one. Number two, unless you've stood in that person's shoes, you don't get it. And of course, then I get really bitchy queen diva right there in that moment. I go, well, well, let's talk in another year or two when you may be standing in those shoes. Because a lot of times that's the shadow person. Like, okay, I'm saying something that's trying to protect anybody from knowing what's going on with me. But what is one of the things that I, or one of the things I wanted to like, really like dive into here is for gay men, it seems even more challenging at times to finally just come to that truth of, okay, yep, this is, this is it. This is my truth because we have that masculine energy, regardless of where you fall on the feminine masculine scale of being a gay man, mm-hmm. but there's like this warrior energy, like, uh-uh, I, I can do this. I can, this is mine. I'll battle through this. And I'm sure that's one of the things you see most often is I'll, I can handle this. I'll get through it. They try. You can sometimes get sober on your own. I know people who have done it and stayed sober, Mm -hmm. but I know more people that have tried to quit drugs or alcohol. Um, One of the worst things happening right now is the epidemic with fentanyl. Mm -hmm. Fentanyl will kill you. People will stop fentanyl their resistance goes down and then they have a really bad day or somebody, something triggers them and they'll right. think that they can take the same amount of fentanyl that they had before. They'll shoot it up or whatever and they die. Mm. And uh, so trying to do this on your own is doable, but it's dangerous. Yep. And another thing I was going to say, I've had a lot of people tell me to, Oh, Greg, it's really boring. You know, you can't party, you can't do this. You can't do that. But uh, I say, well, guess what you can do? You can look good. Your eyes can look clear. You can get a boner, you Mm -hmm. know, things that you can't do when you're messed up on drugs. So, you know, you can take the drugs and alcohol. I'll take the, I'll take the other stuff. Exactly. But it's so interesting too to hear Again, I hope my mom doesn't hear this because it was pretty crude <laughs> me to say boner, but it's well, but it is. But this is we talk about. This is why we talk about this stuff on on this podcast because I want it to be real. And the thing is, is I've heard so many gay men go, "Oh yeah, uh, we went out on a three day binge, you know, of sex and drugs." Um, and I finally confronted somebody I know that I'm very close to and said, "Okay, I, this is not coming from a place of judgment." did you really remember what you just did? And when was the last time you actually got a hard on without the drugs? Well, I can't. I'm like, actually, you probably can, but you've gotten yourself. Yes. Physically, the body's probably said, this is the only way I can make this happen. But there's also the mental piece that gets there too. And I know there's times, I mean, I, I openly admit I was probably very close to being a sex addict the whole time I hid in the closet while I was married to my wife, there was nothing com- committed about that. And suddenly, every time I got to sneak out, 
oh, felt yeah. good, but it was also shame. Then I go do it again. Then I go, suddenly I'm like, I need this. I need this whenever I can get this. Yeah. And I know I was like right there on the verge of that, but I would never had admitted it because what was I hiding behind? Well, this is the only way I can be who I am. So suddenly I had the positive, this is the only way I can be who I am. But then there was like, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. And it's such an interesting thing to watch yourself go through this. I'm going to tell you that um, all kind of addiction is difficult, but eating disorders and sex addiction are tough because we, we need that. You know, that's mm -hmm. part of our makeup. And so trying to um, regulate what is too much and what isn't enough right. and those kinds of things is it can be really tough but um the things with um you know opiates stimulants depressants alcohol marijuana those kinds of things i mean those are things we don't have to have in our lives right. and it just comes a time where people have to make that decision i'm done with this i need help mm -hmm. And I'm a very persuasive person. I can talk the balls off an elephant if I have to, <laughs> but, but I'm not as persuasive as alcohol or fentanyl or whatever. I mean, I spent a lot of my time, you know, having these talks with people and I think I'm really persuasive and I, you know, I'll talk to you until, you know, you tell me to shut up, Right. but I'm nothing compared to these these drugs and, you know, and, and alcohol and, and other things. And um, so you have to come to the decision that you, you can't live your life like this anymore. And there's, I know there's people that are probably listening to this right now thinking like, my life is miserable, but I can't, I can't do this. And I want to tell you that you can, but you have to make that decision. And then when you reach out to me, I will take you through the steps. My team will let you know what it's going to take to keep you sober. And we will drill that into you in a kind, loving way, but we will get your feet under you. And that's really what it is, is just getting your feet under you and you taking that one step at a time. And it becomes a lifestyle, just like, you know, going on a diet, you have to change the way you eat and it becomes a lifestyle. And it's the same mm -hmm. way with being sober. But what's also interesting in what you just said is this piece of, I can't live life like this any longer. Yeah. It's very similar to when we come out of the closet. I cannot live my life like this any longer. I can't keep hiding my truth. And I've had these conversations numerous times with clients that I've been coaching. And yeah. there's been quite a few that I'm like, okay, I love you. I really care about you. I love that we're making headway here. Mm -hmm but you need to go get some addiction treatment, you know? And I only feel like that's safe, fair and safe of me as a coach to say that. But when I've had those conversations, the light bulb has often gone off, Gregory, when I've said, so what was something else in your life that you said, I can't live like this any longer? It always comes back to coming out. And I'm like, okay, so feel just for a moment, take and feel into that. and suddenly you not suddenly, but you changed your thought process about that. And you did come out regardless of what the aftermath was, oh. but you were able to do that. I said, I think that's what you need to do now in this space that you're in. I've coached uh, and numerous guys that are like, you know, close to sex addiction and moved into a space that was really amazing. I've coached some people who are on the verge of 
I know they were alcoholics. I know they were drug addicts, but I also know I can only take that relationship so far before it's like, you need true professional addiction specialist sort yeah, of help. And it really does come down to, you have to decide that you're done. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that's, but I think that's where in your work, that's where you begin to demystify the path to treatment. Yeah. And that's why it's so important if you do decide that treatment is for you, that you find a treatment facility, a place that understands the trauma and trauma Mm -hmm. and life, what it's like to be a gay man or woman. It is uh, a different experience. And and you have to have people that understand that. Um, There's going to be things that come up in therapy because we get pretty deep with therapy here, either group therapy or private therapy with the um, private therapist, but things come up and things come out and you have to understand um, as a, as a clinician, what these things are and, and not every place does. And um, so it's just really important that you choose the right place to do this. Mm -hmm. You can either have a really great experience. It's not ever easy. But when you come out the other side, it could be very meaningful if you have chosen correctly. But don't you think it's choosing yourself? That's where it really starts. Every time, every time. We have kids that come in here because their parents force them to come here. Mm -hmm. And then we have people that have decided, like, I can't get another DUI. I can't, you know. I can't right. ruin another relationship. Um, my parents won't let me in the house anymore. And I love my parents. So, you know, they call it, it's very cliche. They call it rock bottom, but it's, uh, it's very, very important. And it makes a big difference if this is what you want and you've seen what the consequences are. Um, I teach a lot of parents about tough love. You know, they'll call me and say, you know, my son really or my daughter needs help but my wife keeps slipping them 20 bucks and they run to the park and buy dope right you know or or, you know they just take the car whenever they want and i don't know what to do it's like you know what to do Mm -hmm. you know what to do you tell them that you know you set boundaries and um we should all have boundaries in our lives no matter what but um you know family members and loved ones need to set boundaries and those make consequences that are sometimes difficult enough to have that person decide or choose to come to treatment. And that is, makes all the difference. It changes their life. I just really want to like, okay, I'm a a 40 plus gay guy, single, maybe no partner. And this is happening in my life. So I don't have that prod They're sitting there going, okay, this all sounds really like, okay, Gregory, I kind of hear you, but I don't have family members. I don't have somebody Mm -hmm. that's like, what do you say to someone like that? That they've already already started the excuse making why this isn't going to work. What do you say to that person who really needs to own up to themselves? Um, Well, it's really tough. Like I said, I can can talk and talk and talk until I'm blue in the face. And trust me, I do it because I'm passionate about this. But um, they have to see that their life needs a change. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. they're, um, they're, you know, they have a great uh, job. They, they work in 
finance or their airline pilots or flight attendants or doctors, and they see that they're, you know, this close to losing it all. Mm-hmm. And so I point that out, like how much longer can this go on? Six months, a year, you know, you drive, how long until you kill someone or kill yourself? And uh, usually things like that wake them up, but they've kind of, you've kind of almost have to decide that this is for you right. before you come to me. And uh, most people who are ready understand that they're about to lose important things in their life because it does, it takes it all away from you, you know? One one time getting tested positive for drugs before you fly an airplane, you know, you're 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 done. Yeah, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. So um things like that um make a difference. But um most people I I I think that that reach out to me and ask me for advice or help, they don't call me unless they're on the edge on there they need they know they need to make a change but i think a lot of it is fear-based because they don't understand what it involves they don't you know some people think that it's going to be like a you know penitentiary or Mm -hmm. or blah 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 or they've seen the uh ads for the fancy places in malibu that look like a country club and you know that's not going to work for me because i'm hard-headed and you know, I need something, something more. So I tell it like it is. I mean, we're not a penitentiary, but we're not the Ritz Carlton. We're somewhere in the middle. We're in a place where we have the best, uh, the best situation to help you kick your habit, you know? And it really does come down to being a good match. That's the thing. I think a lot of people are like, okay, uh, oh, let's go to this one because you see the ads, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Let's go to Malibu. Let's go to Laguna yeah. and da, da, da. not knocking those. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. but you know, you got to find the match that really fits. Yeah. And, and I'm a big advocate again, having gone through this with a couple of family members of it may take really visiting three or four and not mm-hmm. letting the, you know, if there's any high pressure, which was usually when I'm like, we're out of here. Nope. If there's high pressure, it's about, oh, look at what we can give you. And here's, this is the beautiful yeah. room. And that, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. you're, you're, you're not, you're it's, not. It's not about pressure. It's about if this place works for you and you for you, what exactly. you're here and, yeah. and you will feel the connection if, if it's meant for you. But speaking of 40 and over, um, it is a whole different thing when you're 40 and over, because a lot of people have jobs and wives and families, and they need to stay connected. They don't want to lose that while they're in treatment. So they're afraid to come into treatment because they think they're completely cut off. And, and one thing that we do is um, we provide an atmosphere where people who are established and who need to keep their job, you know, and they need to stay on top of things are able to do that, you know, and we also provide family sessions. If your husband needs to, you know, if you're having issues over this and you've been fighting for a couple of years, how do we get back to a place where we can communicate and we can be in a place of, uh, you know, not hurting and things like that to move forward. So we do things like that as well. That's awesome. Yeah. All your treatment centers are located in Southern California, but I I'm just so glad we're having this conversation simply because I want guys to hear this, that it's not, it doesn't have to be as scary as it may sound. And actually if you're doing something out of love for yourself, it should not be scary. 
It no, literally, no, no, no. It, I, I know it's going to be. I mean, yeah. I know what it's like when I've cut back on my diet and stuff. It's like, it's kind of scary. No, it's not. Look, I feel better. I'm sleeping better. Yeah. I, I have a good appetite, but I'm not like, Hey, let's just shovel it in. So, yeah. um, so your three centers are, um, the li liver long. So we recovery. have, um, we have two in the Palm Springs area. We have one called uh, living longer recovery. Mm -hmm. We have one called gravity treatment center. And then up in the Encino Hills in Los Angeles, we have a third one. Um, that one, we, um, you know, it's in LA, we get a lot of, um, LA people, sometimes older, uh, people that need help with addiction. Yeah. That's a place where, you know, executives or people who need a lot of privacy and, you know, sometimes celebrities will yes. go. Um, and then in Palm Springs, um, gravity treatment is, uh, just a very small six bed. We get a lot of people that chronically relapse come, mm -hmm. come to us. There people who have tried it three or four times we've had people as many as you this is hard to believe 70 times in treatment wow. that uh they just don't get it and we have um we have uh therapists who uh work with them on triggers what what triggers you to actually use again after so many times and, and we try to get through that and, and have some finally some long-term success and then the last one which is our newest and kind of my baby is called living longer recovery it is um built on a um aquifer with mineral water so we oh, have nice. these beautiful mineral water tubs and uh yoga and very healthy eating and it's very quiet when you're here you're like you feel like you're in shangri-la i mean mm -hmm. i know i was just dogging the guys in malibu but we have a beautiful beautiful place here and uh, people are really afraid of uh, the detox period because they know right. if I've, you know, if they've probably tried to stop for three, four, five days on their own. They realize like, this is not for me. I'm, this is painful. Mm -hmm. And they stop these mineral water tubs. When you get in there and that those, those mineral waters are absorbing into your skin, your skin is your biggest organ. Um, it is amazing. And these people sure. come to us and you know, they may be in a very cranky, unhappy mood and 10 minutes in that water and they're laughing and joking and happy. That's so, awesome. um, yeah, so it's beautiful. And well, you know, I don't know how you, maybe your, um, listeners can go onto our website yeah, or maybe yeah. have an 800 number, but I am very, very happy to talk to anyone. Um, no matter the circumstance, if there's questions or, um, that's you know, great. Uh, anything they need, I, I can anonymously help them with uh, questions that they may have and make this less. Yeah, less we will. We will have all three of the websites on the speaker page where they can download them, awesome. visit you, all that sort of stuff. Awesome. So before we wrap up here, what is what is the one thing you'd like to, you know, somebody's listening here and going, OK, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. But what's one thing you would say that would just might get them to say, okay, I'm going to go check out, you know, livinglongerrecovery.com or call you on your phone number. What would be one thing that might just help them take that I have next to, step? I have to say a, a really good friend of mine once told me that you have to love yourself as much as you love your best friend. Mm. And sometimes we forget about ourselves. We forget that um, we're important too. We're the most important thing there is, we're, we're really what we have and we cannot function or, or survive with 
that self-loathing and that self, you know, whatever, you have to love yourself enough to realize that you need help. And this is nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to hide. Um, of course, we are anonymous. If you come to us, no one has to know. Right. But um, you have to just like reach deep inside yourself and find that self-love and and realize that, you know, you're going to be on this world for a while. And, and um, you know, you can either be happy or miserable. And I choose happy. Right. And I hope that if you're listening to me, I hope you choose happy. I -hmm. hope you choose love for yourself because that in the end is what, uh, that's what's going to get you through. And that's, what's going to get you to have a happy life. That's so good. Choose happy. So Gary, Gregory, thank you so much for being here and sharing this with our 40 plus guys. I just, I I hope somebody needed to hear this and not because you're a mess or anything like you just kind of like, okay, I, Hey, I finally hear this. And And, uh, and here's another thing. We, we might not have the problem ourselves, but I guarantee you, you know, someone in your life that is suffering from this and you might have asked yourself, how can I help him or her? And that's what I did. That's I lost a friend because I didn't know. So if you have questions, if you need help, if a friend needs help, please reach out. It doesn't have to be to me, but there are plenty of people out there that will listen to you and there is help out there. So please, please, please make that call. Thanks again, Gregory, for being here. So appreciate you, man. That's a wrap for 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where the conversations continue.